Hello and welcome to Hacked Off. In today's episode, I want to talk about penetration testing, realism versus efficiency. Now, I'm not going to concentrate on the differences between penetration testing and red teaming, which is where this kind of realism versus efficiency question frequently comes up, mainly because we've talked about that a lot on this podcast previously, and also as I start talking around the the context of where this topic came from and why I want to talk about it, uh, it should be clear that red teaming wasn't an appropriate solution to this particular customer problem. But recently I had a discussion with a customer talking about how to make their penetration test as realistic as possible. And this is a discussion you can have and, you know, it's the whole idea behind red teaming and why you might want to take uh, a completely different approach to security testing to to make it realistic. And, And it's a fine discussion to have. But in this particular instance, one of the things that we have to concentrate on is why are you performing this assessment? What is the motivation behind this assessment? And then will the developed assessment or scenario suit that need? Will it give you the answer to the question that you're trying to answer? So when it comes to penetration testing realism, where you are comparing it to the techniques that a a real threat actor, a real hacking team would utilize Sometimes they are very close together, frequently using the exact same um, technical attacks and and frequently using the same tooling as well, where publicly available exploits or public um, hacking tools are available. You know what? They're dual-use technologies, and security testers and real threat actors can can use them the same or can modify them to the same degree. Uh, So sometimes they're really close, and quite frequently, penetration testing the the attempt to compromise an organization to demonstrate real-world risk isn't that close to what an actual threat actor does. And I don't think it should be. So some people might look at penetration testing or might be looking at getting uh, a a simulated attack of some description. I'm trying to use generic terms here to to kind of uh, broadly include vulnerability scanning, red teaming, penetration testing, all of that kind of thing. A, A company might look to commission a kind of security test And they might want it to be realistic so that they can decide actions based on what is likely to to take place, their organization, the real world threats that they're going to face and the real world techniques that attackers are going to use. And that sounds, when you put it like that, ideal. You should be aiming for the assessment to be as realistic as possible based on that description. However, sometimes that's just needlessly inefficient. Or sometimes it's just not feasible for your penetration testing team, your security testing team, to perform exactly the same kinds of attacks that threat actors do. So let's break that down a little bit, talk about some of the distinguishing characteristics between real hackers and uh, security consultants covering penetration testers and, and red teamers together. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about why quite often it doesn't matter and quite often you shouldn't be aiming for realistic, but you should be aiming for a balanced approach of efficiency and realism that actually delivers the the data, the answers that you're looking for, ultimately allowing you to find vulnerabilities and fix them. That's the aim, right? Find vulnerabilities and fix them. So um, what's the, the first hurdle that a penetration tester would have to, to jump through? The, the first thing is... Um, that pesky Computer Misuse Act, or the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act over in the US, each uh, nation state has a different set of uh, laws and regulations that prevent some of the techniques. Now, broadly speaking, 
um, hacking covered under the, the Computer Misuse Act can be uh, permitted where we have, you know, authority to test. We have some paperwork that covers us and allows us to do these tests. That doesn't mean that a penetration tester could or should use every possible technique that uh, a threat actor uh, has at their potential disposal. Sometimes this is just a cost-benefit thing. For example, it would be feasible that if I really wanted to target your organization to perform, you know, some real disruption, I could just get a job working for you and then get all kinds of insider knowledge, get given a staff device to access resources, be told about the internals of your systems, and that would lead to, you know, some really significant impact. And there's some people out there who romanticize red teaming to the degree where they might be thinking, you know what, that is a technique on their possible, uh, you know, within their playbook. That's something that they could do. But you can imagine that that would be really time consuming. It would take a long time. It, it, it's um, not something that you're going to achieve. It's like a, you know, two plus one kind of couple of days testing, day reporting. It's not going to happen. And if you were to do that, if you were to take just everything must be as realistic as possible, we want you to try every technique that, that the real hacking crews would use, uh, would it would it be worth it? If, if you're looking at things like uh, what could a threat actor who is able to physically access a staff device do? What could a threat actor who is able to access internal network resources do? Um, that's probably achievable through other means, like a build configuration review, internal penetration test, a physical access test, those kinds of things. Um, so the techniques are, are going to be different. That's an extreme example, you understand, but um, it just goes to highlight that sometimes just that efficiency um, isn't the right thing. On, on the legal side of things, I, I mentioned the Computer Misuse Act. Um, I mean, you could throw things in like um, bribery, threats of violence, you know what, if I if I physically threaten yourself, well, maybe not me, but if, if somebody more threatening looking than, than me physically threatens staff members, that could cause them to disclose passwords. And that could be a realistic, although probably unlikely, but realistic um, threat. Now, you're not going to pay a penetration tester to physically threaten staff. There would be all kinds of liability involved with that. But where could you get, or how could you get that the same level of of uh, coverage to know that your organization was secure. Well, review your principle of least privilege, review your system monitoring. How can you tell if a staff member's account has been compromised? There's other ways uh, of checking that that security uh, and validating what would happen. There's also, and I don't want to go too much into it, but there's also this uh, idea of assumed breach where you could just give the pen testing team a valid staff credential and say, you know, this has been disclosed through some common attack, be it physical threats of violence against staff members or probably more likely a successful phishing campaign, something like that. And then see how far the penetration testing team can go with those credentials and how easy it is for you to detect what they've been up to, those kinds of things. So we're not really talking about red teaming here. We're not really talking about, about full red team engagements where we have a team of assessors who are performing technical, social, physical uh, security assessments against an organization, but we are looking at that kind of scenario-based testing. What is the thing that you're trying to assess and how can we efficiently assess that? So uh, related but distinct, and it's worth bringing it up because very frequently we do have conversations with customers where they don't necessarily understand some of the 
caveats of penetration testing and some of the restrictions and just some of the ways around it. And um, if you if you build up assessments in this way, very often they're, they're more efficient, meaning that either we can do more in the time that we've been allotted or that we just require less time. And when you're looking at consultancy-based services like penetration testing, less time frequently means cheaper. So it's a thing worth investigating as an organization. I'll give you one more um, uh, common example, just, just because physically threatening staff is probably unlikely for most organizations. Um, but uh, brute forcing passwords. Now, how brute forcing passwords works in, in the kind of real world is frequently very different to, to how the companies that I talk to think it works. Um, so the first, the first hurdle is a lot of people think that account lockout will save you. You know, you've got a oh, maximum five password attempts and then, and then the account locks. And very often that is the case, but very often it, it's not. Look at something like um, the Active Directory observation window. If you're not familiar with the observation window, very quickly, uh, it's a timer that um, effectively adds a caveat to account lockout. So if you have the the suggested setting, which is a lockout threshold of five and an observation window of 30 minutes, that doesn't mean that the account will lock out after five attempts. It means it will lock out after five attempts that occur within 30 minutes. Now, if you do the maths, you'll work out that, well, you could perform four password attempts every half an hour without locking that account out. That's 192 per day per account for domain accounts. That's a significant amount of password attempts, especially when you add on to that the fact that, yeah, people still do use summer 2020 password one. Uh, an interesting one that I saw uh, recently, actually, I don't think I mentioned on the on the podcast yet, is uh, lockdown 2020 was a password uh, that I found on a handful of accounts at an organization I targeted recently. Um, so, you know, context-specific things, be that the time of the year, the current pandemic status, or just something like your company name. When you take into account passwords like that, and you take into account the fact that attackers can try 192 passwords a day without locking an account, um, it's quite likely that they're going to succeed in, in capturing them. But how would you like to assess that? Now, what I would probably recommend in this instance for most organizations is, well, does the observation window actually give you a benefit as an organization? Do staff members really uh, try a few passwords and then go take a coffee break, give it half an hour, see if they can remember the password and come back to it? Or do staff members type their password incorrectly five times, lock their account, and therefore the observation window is of no benefit? And it could be disabled. If that is the case, which in my experience is for many organizations, my security recommendation would be that that security assessment should be more an audit approach. Is this configuration enabled? And if it is, disable it. You shouldn't really be paying for a pen tester to sit and do what I frequently refer to as a gentle brute force, that trying 192 passwords per day per account to see if we pop an account. It's just not efficient. It's just like, what are you trying to do? If you are trying to determine uh, whether the system is secure or not, then that audit action will determine that. If you're trying to determine whether your uh, blue team would detect that kind of attack and appropriately action it, then yes, you're getting more over towards the, the red team engagement. Not necessarily a full red team, but, but kind of um, scenario-based testing where you're, you're looking at, can our defensive team detect this? So the big thing here is not necessarily what is the vulnerability. 
uh, or what is the type of testing, be it realistic or otherwise. The, the big thing here is why? Why are you performing this kind of test? What is it that you're testing? Because it's if it's whether you have the observation window set or not, then you know you, your group policy will tell you that a whole lot faster than spending five days brute forcing accounts. Is this a real attack that threat actors do, this kind of slow brute force? Well, yeah, anyone who's put anything on the internet and monitored the login attempts will know brute force attacks happen uh, hilariously frequently. Um, and also just through through my own experience, in fact, twice this year, uh, I've compromised organizations through that kind of, of brute force where uh, we've, we've gathered usernames um, not necessarily directly, but but very frequently just through through social media. So maybe uh, to give an example, we'd take a look at uh, LinkedIn or something like that, gather employee names and then try first name dot surname, first initial surname, those kinds of things with common passwords like password123, welcome1, or lockdown2020. And we'll just run that until we get some compromise. And then that will allow us to you know further access the system, be it a, a portal or a web application that we can access or, or frequently webmail. A lot of people put two-factor authentication on their VPN, but not their webmail. That surprises me, but it's a different conversation. Um, so yeah, it, it does work. I'm not taking the like two times a year, or I guess two times within six months, uh, to be like the, the, the exact statistic. I'm just saying that through my experience as a penetration tester, performing these kinds of um, security tests for customers does happen. It is a, a valid... Um, hacking technique to to put it that way uh but yeah i wouldn't like please don't try and pay me to run a brute force attack at slow speed for many weeks it's just not efficient so that's that's it really we can throw as many examples out as you want to um but yeah the the realism versus efficiency thing is an important thing when it comes to penetration testing and it's a little bit broader than well if you want realism you should get a red team um just on, on that point, because some people, certainly people have been working in penetration testing for a long time, might take the stance that, well, red teaming is, is better. And controversially, it, it isn't always. For example, if an organization giving an, an extreme kind of <laughs> extreme example to prove the point, uh, but if an organization approaches you and they say, you know, we haven't had a pen test in at least the last uh, two to three years, uh, we've developed this application continuously over the last 10 years. We want to know if it is um, secure. Uh, we want a realistic uh, assessment, as realistic as possible. Would you recommend a red team engagement for that? Maybe some people out there would. Maybe some people would always recommend a red team because it's cool. But in that instance, if an organization hasn't been running frequent security testing, if they haven't been doing internal vulnerability management, if they haven't been doing pen testing, at least internally with some kind of internal capability, if not through a third party provider, then um, red teaming is probably not the right solution. Red teaming probably would, in that instance, lead to a significant compromise. Because they haven't done the basics, they haven't done the, the fundamentals, they haven't got a good vulnerability management program in place, you presume, based on the fact that they've just not been testing, and that's quite a fundamental part of, of security validation. So, you know what? Red teaming isn't always the right answer. Uh, aiming for as realistic a uh, hacking scenario as possible isn't always the right answer. And, and what I'd recommend when it, when it comes to... Um, getting penetration testing activities is trying to answer the question of like what is it that we're looking for 
very often we'll we'll ask customers this when we are engaged for penetration testing services and um the answers they, they always surprise me some customers are very very uh, kind of like on it and they understand uh, what's happening and, and what their motivations here are uh, for example customer this week uh we've just we've just put a new system online it's it's just gone live we we want a security test now <laughs> some people might think well that's silly you should have had it tested before it went live and okay fair point but this was what they approached us for they understood the situation that they were in and why they wanted a security test and other customers will say we want a pen test for best practices and that's kind of it and very frequently that that's the kind of scenario where we want a pen test because we've done another revolution around the sun 12 months has passed so we probably should have one the motivation there isn't isn't as strong isn't as direct and um really there's a conversation to be had there about the entire vulnerability management the entire uh, program of testing that they're doing but let's not get into that hopefully in that kind of 15 minutes i've proven the point that a fully realistic test going as far as possible isn't necessarily the best thing because penetration testers are somewhat restricted due to pesky laws and also due to sometimes attacks just take a long time and that's not necessarily the best way to assess that system so realistic versus efficient something that you should talk to your penetration testing provider about it's something that you should have discussions about during scoping what is the target of the assessment is as important as what is the motivation behind this assessment so do you agree whether you're a penetration tester or a red teamer or you're just a customer who procures pen testing services um do you agree with the points that i've tried to make here or do you think there's some aspect of security testing that that i haven't considered that i've glossed over or maybe just forgotten about in my unscripted rant about security testing let us know over social media you can catch us on all the major places twitter linkedin whatever you prefer to use or of course just leave a comment on the podcast we'll get to those too And uh, in the next episode, as my schedule currently shows, presuming we don't reorder things, uh, we've got an episode coming up about DevSecOps, DevSecQAOps, DevOps. Um, What is it? How can it benefit an organization? How to get it right? Um, So if you're interested and you want to catch that episode, don't forget to subscribe. And that's it. Today's rant's over. I will see you next week. Thank you.